Hey friends, it's been a while. Um, do apologize about that. Things have been wild uh, on my end in my personal life, to say the least. Um, but as we are all now experiencing unprecedented amounts of time in our apartments, uh, me particularly, I'm hoping to put out a lot more content for you guys. Um, this episode was not planned to be timed um, for a pandemic, but it is the perfect time uh, to learn how to bake bread. You know, we have plenty of time indoors and plenty of time to watch it and get it right. And I think it's a great activity to really keep your hands and your mind busy. Um fan favorite, Alex is back with some hot tips about bread baking. Um yeah. If you've got any ideas about stuff that you want to hear, um history that you're interested in, drop us a line on social media. We're on Instagram at Blender Kitchen and on Twitter at Blender KTCHN Pod. Ah, let's get into it. searching paleo because women used to be responsible for the gathering of seeds um and while i agree with the foods that are eaten in the paleo diet some of the reasoning behind the diet i don't agree with and i didn't want to just put out a complaint episode i didn't think that would be helpful positivity is a good thing yeah but then I was like, grains, what else? What are long grains? And I was like, oh, bread. I love bread. It's delicious. And I realized I had never really thought about where it came from. So that's how we got around to this. I love bread. Ah, oh, bread is literally life. Literally. Literally. Um, We've been eating bread since we've been a race, a species, a pretty much a group of living beings um the current um data says roughly about like 20 sorry 200 thousand years ago there's unearthing cooking materials with residues of like different grains and seeds on it um but essentially just every time we go back further we find more evidence that we've been eating grains or breads um, bread didn't always really look like what we think of it today as like fluffy and delicious and like heartening. It used to be kind of just a paste. Um, it turns out that we humans are not great at digesting uncooked grains. Our bodies don't really know what to do with that and we don't benefit from a lot of the nutrients and also, uh, kind of makes your stomach hurt and it doesn't taste good yeah so um early humanity began um crushing the grain which did make it a little bit more palatable it like lessened the strain on your stomach 
but it still wasn't amazing. No one was like, oh, no, my no. God, this is what I've been waiting for my whole life. Yes, you know? that British accent that ancient Egyptians used. Yes. <laughs> Got it. Um, so, you know, human curiosity and experimentation led to essentially a kind of paste which lives on in dishes like fufu, um, which is a flour mixed with um, a liquid to form a kind of um, tacky dough that you eat without baking. So the first grains were um, the first bread, what they knew as bread then, um, was essentially wild wheat, wild rice, wild acorns, gathered seeds and grains that had been crushed and mixed with water and left to ferment a little bit, kind of like a sourdough start starter. And then um, that was eaten as a paste. And it didn't keep very long. You had to make it often, but it was delicious. Um, well, <laughs> it was delicious Comparatively. In, com- in comparison Comparatively. to straight up raw, unprocessed wheat. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and what it did was allow humanity to begin to travel outside of their specific areas. You know, they were able to essentially become unchained from the patch of land where they depended on food because they had ways of bringing food with them um, that didn't require uh, the expenditure of a huge amount of energy to obtain. And as time went on, um, we began to develop ways of cooking it. Um, The first breads were essentially what lives on today as of flatbreads, your chapatis, your pitas, your naans, and were cooked in the same way that a lot of flatbreads are cooked today. A a thicker uh, grain paste. I didn't come up with this word. This is just what science is calling it. I don't know why they couldn't come up with a better term, but, you know, a thicker grain paste um, mixed together, um, spread on a heated rock, and left to bake. And we can't really say, like, oh, this kind of flatbread started in this place because essentially it looks like all of humanity discovered how to make a flatbread at the same time. Like, yeah. Well, I think to that, it's like, how much this all happened by accident? Oh, I think a lot of it happened by accident. Because, like, I think all of humanity stumbled upon this stuff at the same time where it's like to go from grain to flour, it's like, well, Chewing grain is exhausting. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't taste that great on the outside. It tastes a little bit better on the inside. So what if I use two rocks to do the chewing for me? And then, like, maybe it rained. Mm-hmm. And then, well, I still got to eat that. It's my only food source. It's wet now. But that actually makes it taste a little bit better. Fermentation builds up flavor. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, this idiot left... Our, our wet grain that tastes a little bit better out in the sun and now it's all hard and oh wait no this actually tastes even better yeah um and or even like they had at some point before they developed grain we can assume that they had learned that cooking meat makes it better so maybe if we take this case. actually bread came before cooking meat really yeah they um well grain paste came before cooking meat um, a lot of meat was still being kind of butchered in the 
uh, awful, awful meats. Yum. The innards were eaten uh, fresh because they were still warm. And right around the same time... (laughs) We've come so far. (laughs) Right around the same time that we kind of discovered, oh, if you... If you put this meat in the fire, it won't taste as bad. We kind of discovered, oh, if you heat up this grain paste on rocks, it's more palatable. Um, so essentially tortillas and naan and pita and chapati and um, certain kinds of flat dumplings all were developed around the same time. And... Um, when bread became bread wasn't till much much later um like the bread we're taught that we traditionally think of as bread fluffy full of air light that came around a little later with the ancient egyptians and beer um which we'll get into more when we do our beer episode it's honestly fascinating um but the ancient egyptians invented beer and it's unclear exactly how, how, like, who said, I wonder if I take the foam off of the beer and mix it with my flatbread dough, will it be good? Maybe someone just said, like, oh, they both smell similar, maybe I should put them together. Or it's just replacing the liquid that you have on hand. I mean, like, we, if, Fair. if, if I make, if I make a beurre blanc with water as opposed to wine... It doesn't you taste just as made good. a stock. It's, it's just it's just kind of gross. But if you add wine, then you have more flavor. And okay, okay, so that makes you, sense. So if you're just like, could could be you had too much beer to come to that realization, and or I mean like it could just be a this 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 wheat paste isn't doing it for me. What if, what what if I make uh, some boozy wheat paste? Well, <laughs> they had flatbreads by that point. But I see I see what you're saying. Um. But yeah, once the introduction of beer foam was added to uh, flatbreads, you got fluffy bread, like bread bread. And that, honestly, blew the socks off of humanity. Yay, yeast. It allowed us to begin to travel in even further distances because while grain paste kept you more energized than just straight up uncooked wheat, and while flatbreads traveled better than grain paste, bread traveled better than any of that and was even more delicious. Um, and so that really allowed more of what we would later come to know as the trade routes and the Silk Roads and uh, all of that to, to begin to kind of explode on an international basis. Um, from there, it became quickly, quickly, quickly became a staple in every society. Um, the Greeks developed an insane amount of, of different kinds of bread. There is bread based on your socioeconomic status, on your job. Um, bread for soldiers was basically made to be roasted on a spit, but bread for, um, emperors and governors was, like, what we now know is super unhealthy, like very refined. Wonder bread. Essentially. But even, I feel like even like 
ancient Grecian Wonder Bread is still probably more nutritional than modern oh, Wonder Bread. Oh, most, most definitely. I mean, you're still you're still getting a whole grain at that point. Yeah. Uh, Hippocrates and Pliny the Elder both uh, ranked the kinds of bread that you should be eating to aid or heal different ailments you may be suffering from. Uh, Hippocrates? Hippocrates? Hippocrates. Hippocrates? Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Hippocrates um, even ranked it in kind of the order that we see as least healthy to most healthy today. Um, But even then, even though he said that in those times, whole grain bread, what we would now see as like pumpernickel, was still seen as like very plebeian. Like... You ate that because you couldn't afford to eat something else. Um, whereas if you could afford to have your flour extra milled, um, extra sifted, you could afford to have, like, a baguette. So, it we've had some awareness of the effect of whole grains on the body for some time. Um, although, I do want to mention that in Michael Pollan's documentary Cooked, one of the bakers makes an excellent distinction. It's not as just whole grains that are important, because as we just talked about, our bodies can't really digest whole grains. Mm-hmm. It's whole fermented grains. So what fermentation does is essentially pre-choose the food for us. Yeah. It begins to break down some of um, that those hard outer barriers that prevent us from getting all the nutrients um and essentially by time we actually eat it all that hard work has been done and we can just get straight to breaking down the last of those barriers and extracting the nutrients that we need um but there's all we've always known like we need certain things from wheat let us jump in the tardis fast forward from ancient greece to 1910. 1910. In 1910, everybody eats bread. Everywhere. Bread is a staple of the human diet. Yeah. Um, and for the most part, everyone's eating, like, whole grain bread. Like, pumpernickel, Irish brown bread, hearty, hearty stuff that you're making at home. Or you're buying from a baker that you've known your whole life. You know, you know exactly where they're getting their supplies from. Along comes industrialization, right? Um, in many ways, it's a beautiful thing. Now, um, everyone in the family can afford to go out and work because you don't have to leave some people home to literally just cook all day. By some people, I mean women. You don't have to leave women at home to cook all day. Um, in 1910, sliced bread was invented. Uh, pre-sliced bread. To be specific. Let me get you the name of that inventor. It's like buried in my notes, which is super unhelpful. Otto Frederick Roveder. A very German man. Sounds like it. Uh, invented the, the bread slicer in 1912. He approved upon it for several years, and it was first put into 
mainstream use in 1928. In 1930, the Wonder Bread Company is invented, yes. and they begin delivering fresh loaves of pre-sliced, fluffy, delicious white bread into everyone's homes, right? The problem with Wonder Bread is that the process of that bread has now been industrialized as well. No longer is it necessary to take the wheat, roll it between two stones, and brief uh, brief side sidebar, uh, we quickly discovered that if you roll the wheat between rollers, you uh, essentially crack it open instead of when you roll it between two rocks, you smash it open. And by cracking it open, you were more able to keep some of those nutrients intact by separating the hull, the endosperm, the chaff. Whereas um, when you roll it between rocks, between rocks, you kind of just smash everything together. The only thing you're able to really keep is that endosperm because it's the heaviest thing. Everything else gets blown away. But now you can kind of keep some of some more of those really nutritious things in your wheat. Sidebar over. So, um, everything about the process of bread is becoming industrialized, uh, much like all of society is becoming industrialized, you know? And now it's easy to look back and say, like, well, we really should have slowed down on some of those things and thought about the repercussions. But at the time, you know, you're not thinking about the repercussions. You're just thinking, look how much our lives are improving, you know? Look, yeah. look how much better of a quality of life everyone is able to have. So... Um, the process of creating wheat flour has been industrialized by introducing the steel pin, steel pin roller. The process of kneading bread has been industrialized by removing the need for fermentation. And they do this by increasing the mechanical manipulation of the dough. So essentially, and what fermentation does is... Um, breaks down the chemical bonds between the gluten and certain other proteins in the bread, which does several things. It makes your bread fluffy. It makes your bread light and airy. and also releases um, vitamins and nutrients into the grain. Fermentation does this. Um, you can do that sort of artificially, um, but not really in the way artificially that we think of, not as a chemical additive, but at, by just really overworking the dough essentially and like really kneading it, you can kind of like brute force um, the same things in a shorter amount of time. But as we now know, it's not as effective as fermentation is. You're not going to break down the amount of nutrients that you would like to see from that food. Um, and so, essentially, your trade-off between a shorter, faster process is a less nutritional substance. You combine that with the bread slicer, and what you get is Wonder Bread. The super bleached, highly starched, unnutritional, delicious substance mm -hmm. known as bread. And originally, the FDA had defined bread as... Flour, yeast, water, sugar. But after the industrialization of the bread making process, um, 
companies such as Wonder Bread and other bread companies, they're not the only one, they're just the most famous, begin to petition the FDA that says, hey, we want our products to be considered bread as well. How about you open up that ingredient list? The FDA does. Simultaneously, the FDA requires that if you've bleached your flour and you're presenting that product as bread for the general public, you have to add back in the nutrients. Also, it turns out non-fermented bread that's um, been chemically manipulated, uh, sorry, mechanically manipulated into um, faux fermentation actually doesn't taste very good either. So additives are added to the bread, chemical additives are added to the bread to increase the taste. And you quickly see a decline in health because everybody eats bread. And not only does everyone eat bread, during that time, bread is a huge staple of specifically the American diet, but really everyone's diet. So you see a decrease in the overall uh, health and well-being of the American public because they're not getting those nutrients they used to get from what used to be the super nutritious filling substance. So the FDA, while opening up the ingredient list for bread, requires that bread makers put back into the dough that which they've removed by industrializing this process. And that's it's just so stupid. Yeah. It's like literally, it's just, it's, we're, we are so good at that, especially with food, where it's just like, oh, look at this bread. It's enriched with vitamins and minerals, but we took it out in the first place just to make it slightly easier to but make. But it was faster that way. I know, but it's just so dumb because it actually just like feeds into like, oh, we'll pay more for stuff that should already be in our stuff. Yes. Well, actually, now we're at a time where it's cheaper to purchase commercially made bread with all the nutrients added back than it is to buy bread that never lost the nutrients to begin with. And, and like, that's, that's, like, because it's, like, people looking to make a buck where it's, like, it's, like, oh, look at our fancy bread. It only has some ingredients. Like, that's not fancy bread. That, it's that's, just that, bread. That, that's literally what bread is supposed to be. Yeah. Where it's, like, you use, like, flour water salt maybe you use yeast i use yeast because i kill sourdough starters on a regular basis but fair enough like that's what bread is supposed to be and now we are like this is fancy artisanal bread and then like normal bread is like 50 ingredient list long and has no value to like us as like people looking for nutritious meals for culture for like anything but as we see with all of our food there's always this trend of um those with money want to eat the most delicious things and then as knowledge increases they want to eat the most nutritious things but you still need something to separate you from everyone else so how do you do that you make the most unnutritious things the most inexpensive and the most nutritious things the most expensive and now you've got uh heavy air quotes here people equilibrium now you're back in status quo um and oh man that sentence sounded so paranoid <laughs> but it's true it's the bread conspiracy <laughs> it's true you know it's way cheaper for me to be able to go to the store and buy a loaf of wonder bread than it is for me to go to the store and buy a loaf of 
what we like to call fake whole wheat bread in my family. And all of that is cheaper than me actually going to a, a decent baker and purchasing a loaf of bread that is way more nutritional. Let's break down some prices. A loaf of Wonder Bread you can get at a New York bodega for maybe like 99 cents. Yeah. Sorry guys, that was gross. Uh, I don't want to cut it out because I'm lazy, but my allergies are killing me. Moving on. You can get a loaf of Wonder Bread for about 99 cents at your local New York bodega. You can get a loaf of loaf of uh, fake wheat bread from your grocery store for about three bucks. If I want a loaf of pumpernickel artesian German bread, it's going to cost me like $15. Like that's such, that's not even a choice. That's a huge gap. If I'm like, I'm hungry and I need to eat and I've got $20 that I can spare on food. You know, what'll feed me a $2 jar of peanut butter, a dollar jar of corn syrup with fruit additives also known as jelly yeah. also known as jelly and a 99 loaf a 99 cent loaf of wonder bread and that's gonna last me until payday if i'm on a budget you know until your liver gives out but well that doesn't matter because i'm not starving <laughs> right whereas if i want to be completely healthy you know and i want to i still want to have bread in my life I have to essentially choose bread or nutrition. I can only eat bread, it'll be delicious, or I can have a whole sandwich and it will be filling, but not necessarily nutritious. Yeah. But, there's a third option. There is a third option. There is a third option. The only catch is it requires work. So, we want to take a moment to recognize that even though this option is cheaper than a lot of artisanal, uh, cheaper monetarily than a lot of artisanal breads, it does require time. And you may not have the time to invest. But if you do have the time to invest, stay tuned. We're bringing you homemade bread recipes. This is Alex's recipe for bread. Uh, he always starts with this very basic recipe and then adds or, or subtracts as needed. All of the measurements uh, for this recording are in metric, but we will include the US measurements as well on the website. This recipe calls for 750 grams of whole wheat flour, 250 grams of white flour, 100 grams of water, 22 grams of salt and 4 grams of yeast. The water should be hot, not boiling, but hot water from the tap. Mix the flour and hot water together and allow it to sit for a half an hour. After half an hour has passed, mix in the salt and the yeast, cover and allow it to sit for another hour and a half. You're going to want to fold or punch down the dough at this point and allow it to rise for three and one half hours. You should preheat the oven to 475 degrees while the bread is rising. 
after three and a half hours have passed, form a loaf uh, by kneading and shaping and place it in a pan. Allow it to sit for another hour and a half while it rises. You should cover the bread at this time. After an hour and a half has passed, pop it in the oven and bake for 45 minutes at 475 degrees. Um, as Alex said, you're never going to make the perfect loaf, so try your best and um, enjoy what comes out. searching for perfection as opposed to feeling good about what you're eating and feeling good about what you've achieved 
that's that's the goal that I think we should be searching for as home cooks and as people who are taking more responsibility for what they're making, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to perfection because it, it it's it's so far out there because you're not a bread factory, we're not professional bakers that have been doing this for four generations that <laughs> learned from grandpappy about how to make how to, how to make the pumpernickel that is the Brooklyn pumpernickel, but. Like that, that's, that's the marker that I would set. So bread as a spiritual journey and not as a craft product. Yes. Wonderful. So I have my ingredients. I have my kombucha. I have my frankincense. I'm ready to embark on this eye-opening journey. Yeah. How do I keep the dough from sticking in my hands? Um, so there's, um, in general, water. Um, it sounds weird, but literally if you just wet your hands before you work with your dough, um, it keeps the dough from sticking to your hands, and it will make the dough a little bit moister, but, like, Gross. Oh, deal with it. Um, it's, it's, it's not gonna hurt the dough to have more, li like, a little bit of liquid, like, don't, like, come in with soaking wet hands, like, rinse your hands, shake them off, and then go into work with your dough. And you can do this repetitively, you don't want it to, like, seem cool to water, but it works like a dream. How do I keep my loaf from sticking to the pan? Um, parchment paper is the best. Um, like, you can use, like, commercial sprays, but those have a taste, and it gets on the crust, I find. I don't like. Um, if you're making certain um, loaves, going more down um, like uh, a Latin American style or a Italian um, or Greek um, bread, a lot of times they'll introduce olive oil into the recipe and into your um, uh, bulk fermentation process, um, which will keep it from sticking in there. Okay, okay. I've made this beautiful loaf of bread but my top is not as golden brown as the picture in the recipe says it should be. What did I do wrong? Um, your oven's probably not hot enough. Um, you, like, it's actually, I was, when I started making bread a couple years ago, I was actually really surprised that you, like, a lot of people will say, like, your oven should be at, like, 450, 475. A lot of people say just, like, crank your oven as hot as it goes. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was surprised by that because, like, I have, like, bread, cake, brownies, like, right. these all sound, burn. and these all sound the same, so that's like a low and slow type of thing, when really bread is like, especially to get a good crust, um, you want to hit it with high heat right from the beginning, um, so yeah. I'm meal prepping, and part of my meal prep includes baking my own bread. Can I throw my bread in along with, I don't know, my proteins and my potatoes that are roasting? Like in the oven at the same time? Yeah. I maybe. So that's actually an interesting question because I want my first inclination to be like no because like just just because your oven temperature is set to something doesn't mean that's the actual temperature in the oven. And the more stuff you put in the oven, it's it's going to change the temperature because there's only so much heat to go around. Mm -hmm. Um. So in general, I'd say no, but it brings up this interesting question where a lot of bakers introduce steam into um, their bake. They what, what they'll do is they'll, when they preheat their oven, they'll put a tray 
like just a basic sheet tray with walls um, of water, or just, no, not with water, just a sheet tray and warm up when it's preheated. Mm-hmm. Then they put in their tray with the bread on top, like on a rack above that, mm-hmm. and then pour in water into that sheet tray, which immediately starts to steam from it being heated, close the oven, and this actually can help create a really nice crust. Oh, so and like this, kind of recreating the feel of a clay brick oven yes. in a modern oven. Yes. And I'm just curious because when you're cooking other stuff that are that has water in it, like potatoes or vegetables or even meat, um, those are giving off steam. And I wonder what effect it would have if you... We are going to have an experiment, <laughs> dear listeners, um, very soon here. It's almost Purim. For our Jewish listeners, or Easter for our Christian listeners, or just, you know, springtime for our Wiccan or our non-denominational, atheistic, uh, all, for all listeners, it's, it's bread time. And I'm going to be doing an, a lovely roast, and I think it'll be the perfect time to test out that theory. And we'll update this episode with that answer. Um... I think that is all the problems I can think of that I might come across. There's one that I know that a lot of people have an issue with. They don't talk a lot about it a lot on Great British Bake Off. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I know my bread's done? How do I know my bread's because done? Because it's like when you watch people on TV, they've let it sit for a while and then they like tap on the bottom and it sounds hollow, which it is great. great. But like that works in like a TV competition setting Damn. where like you could like you can win or lose. 200 degrees. You can use your meat thermometer or anything. You have to like kind of like spear it in there to get through the crust. I have to stab my perfectly formed crust. Yes. But that makes sure that crust is great because it's against very nice, fluffy, fully cooked innards of bread. Okay. Um, and so um, 200 degrees is what you want the center of your bread to be, and that guarantees, because you can't like pick it up and like tap on it after it's been in a 450 degree oven for No, do not try that at all. So, um, yeah, so 200 degrees. Um, and then I think the other question that comes up a lot is like it makes it sound so easy in the recipe where it's like yeah just mix all your ingredients together let it uh let it let it, let it sit for a while and come back when it quote-unquote doubles in volume um, yeah um my mother always taught me that doubled in volume basically meant you know it now appears that i've used too small of a bowl is that what that means I mean, it, I can. I mean, like, that's a good way to visually do it. Um, just, um, like, you do want to see growth in the dough. And I think a mistake that um, some people make is that salt is a huge component in bread. And salt can kill yeast when they're introduced at the same time um, in liquid. And so when you're making your dough just make sure when you're like blooming your yeast which is when you add yeast to warm water usually with a little bit of sugar for it to to snack on you don't want to just throw salt in there as well because it will kill the yeast and then you will see no rise so i'll make a flatbread yes which will still be great because it's still 
Right. It's still salt and wheat and heat. Hmm. I'm having a baking emergency. Do you have any hotlines? Um, no, there is no uh, Butterball hotline for bread. <sighs> Damn. Um, I think, I mean, my go-to for, um, like, bread tips is King Arthur Flour. Okay. Um, they have a very, very impressive website that anything you could do with flour, they've written an article on it. Um, and they have tons of recipes and tips and tricks on everything. Alright. Well, thank you for beginning us on our spiritual journey into the land of bread. Of course. I'm immensely excited. I cannot wait to show our listeners the loaves that you've prepared. And I can't wait to taste the loaves that you've prepared. Um, stay tuned. That's not all to this episode. We still have our bread recipe coming up. And up on the website will be the recipe and a great little video um, kind of showing you because you know bread is a little bit more complicated than our typical recipes so want to make sure that we've got plenty of visual aids for those who need them um yeah check out our social media thank you for coming thank you